This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with my co-hosts Mike Milner and Brad Dieter. Uh, you guys want to say hello? Mike first. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy 2018. Way. Yeah. Happy sure. New Year, yeah. So um, we'll see how this plays out, but my suspicion is that uh, – you know, some of the audio is not going to be as good. Brad's on a cell phone. Mike's, you know, we're kind of, some of the audio is a, a little, little, um, little off, but hopefully that works out for you guys. So uh, a couple things, like just to start off, uh, we do have two-week trials open, right? And so, um, you know, we spent probably the last three to four months you know, bringing on a bunch of new staff members. One of the things that's really helpful, and we'll kind of get into things as we go, is we have a whole team of people that are onboarding new people, right? And so, um, you know, when you're kind of changing a lot about your lifestyle, it's really helpful to have people walk you through the steps. And ex that's exactly what that that onboarding team does and usually that period takes about two weeks and what we're seeing is people are getting to the ground running and you know they're they're reaching goals like fast i mean we had we had one guy lose like three uh lose like eight pounds in in three days and we, we had to get him some food like real quick you know um but uh do you guys have any any thoughts about about that? Because I mean, I was saying in the in the um, we were in staff chat, and it, it it really is sort of like being in a disaster zone, right? And you know, today sort of feels like the day where we're in the Red Cross tent eating sandwiches, trying to get back the will to go back and 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 you know, clear the area of debris. But, uh, you know, it's a busy time because not only are we taking down um, a bunch, you know, uh, taking a bunch of people in, but also we're, um, you know, moving people's plans. You know, obviously after the holidays, people tend to be a little bit more focused on fat loss and training. So um, that's going to be really the, the topic of today. Do you guys have any interesting thoughts about, about what's going on? I mean, we don't get to work out. You know, our eating becomes a little bit, a <laughs> little bit difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think probably one of the coolest things has been is just watching how things have changed and evolved over the last few years. You know, when one of the things I think people who don't coach people understand is, you know, anytime somebody signs up for a new program is you basically have to find somebody where they're at and try to get them up to speed with, you know, the way that you do things as quickly as possible. And, you know, we basically for the last two years been trying to figure out how to do that. And, you know, we're now so much better at being able to take somebody in who's, you know, even from a completely different perspective and get them up to speed and get them getting results, you know, almost immediately. And we've been able to do that, you know, also with some pretty powerful data and technology just right away. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty crazy if you think about the way that we've done things and how it's evolved and changed and you know how we handle people's onboarding experience. 
it's just been pretty cool to see. Yeah. So Mike, you've been around for, you know, you know, that whole time too, right? The evolution from when we were in the forums talking to people to trend sheets, you know, and then now of course the to perform app. And so, uh, I mean, what, what has been your experience? Well, I think one of the things that stands out to kind of elaborate on what Brad was saying is that it's amazing how many people have gone through the holidays and then, you know, you have your holiday downtime, you're kind of eating more freely. And then it's like, you know, the calendar turned and everybody is like hitting the ground running back on the planet. And I think that speaks to, you know, not just the mindset that we coach, but also just the long-term, um, you know, the whole plan in general, like how many people are doing a, you know, 21 day fix. And then once you go off that plan, how quickly do you go get back on it? You really don't. Uh, and I think it speaks volumes to, to what we've been able to do to see, you know, all right, there may be some struggle through the holidays, but then it's hit the ground running and everyone's, you know, right back hitting goals already. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to um, kind of the main theme um, Mike, can you do me a favor and shut off your webcam? Because we are getting some feedback. I want to make sure the audio is as best as we can get it. So um, kind of the, the thought that I, I thought I could bring to this situation, because everyone says, you know, people do these resolutions and that they they don't end up being anything and that a lot of people end up kind of canceling them after 10 days or so. And that was not my experience, actually. Um, as many people know, I lost 100 pounds um, in doing what ultimately became Eat to Perform. And, you know, Brad and Mike have some, some similar experiences where, you know, they, they would be able to share. But I just wanted to talk to you guys through that process a little bit and kind of walk you through um, how ultimately Eat to Perform happened and how... Um, you know, when you look at the staff that we have, you know, um, you know, we have a physiologist, which is Brad, you know, um, PhD of exercise physiology. We have a registered dietitian, Lisa Hoffman, who's putting out some great content. If you haven't seen her article today, you know, Mike, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that on the second pe second part of, you know, how program design works. But what, what really started for me was, you know, I was playing poker pretty seriously back in 2006, I believe it was. And I was on TV quite a bit. Um, I actually had a, a real good run in 2006 and 2008. Sometimes like the, the um, you know, the, uh, the years get mixed up for me. But um, I remember in 2007, as an example, um, I got really serious about, um, you know, trying to look better on camera. You know, it was a very superficial thing. But I, but I kind of known that my health was sort of, you know, going in the wrong direction. And I had many New Year's resolutions previous to that. Um, you know, it wasn't my first rodeo with, you know, low calorie, low carb, all the different things that I would I would consider to be distractions 
someone is typing um, and it's very, very loud. So if you guys could hold off on that, that would be helpful. Um, but what had, had, what ended up happening, and it's kind of a, a topic that we were talking about and trying to really address, I'm going to have Brad kind of kind of take that over and Mike brought up some interesting points to it also. But a lot of the things that people look towards in terms of losing what I would consider to be holiday weight um, ends up being a detour. So, Brad, I'm going to let you take over from there. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it. And I think anytime that we talk about, you know, trying to get results is from all the things that we've learned over the last, you know, 40 to 50 years, it's very apparent that, you know, having long-term, meaningful, sustainable results is much different from some sort of very short-term solution. And, you know, the probably the best analogy that I like to use, and then we'll kind of talk about what this looks like in application with the whole, you know, dieting, health and fitness space is, you know, if you have like accumulated a bunch of debt, you know, for whether it's student loans or just, you know, put a bunch of stuff on a credit card and you're starting to save some money and you're starting to pay off some of those debts and, you know, you're having a couple bad weeks and you know, you're kind of down in the dumps and you're like, Hey, you know, I've saved up a little bit of money. You know, I'm doing pretty good right now. I'm going to go do some retail therapy and you go drop, you know, 1400 bucks on the new plasma TV. So you can watch season eight, a game of Thrones. And then, you know, a couple of days later you go, Oh, well, you know, that helped a little bit of my emotional needs up front, but now I've just kind of dug an even bigger hole that I now have to pay that debt off too. And yeah, so it's so very similar when we talk about, you know, a lot of the stuff that goes on in, especially this time of year, you know, a lot of people who end up doing, you know, the, the no sugar challenge, the whole 30, the paleo, the weight watchers, you know, anything that's basically essentially designed to just, just eat less food. Let's get some water weight off. Let's lose a little bit of body fat. Um, and then there's really nothing on the other side of it. It's the exact same scenario as you're just basically adding more debt to the equation that's putting you actually further away from the long-term results that you need. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think Mike had some interesting points about that. We are, you know, like I said, the audio is a little bit off and it's a little bit grainy, but I, I'm hoping that you guys are hearing it well enough. Um, I'm not sure everybody's going to make the direct connection though, that spending money is the same as you know doing weight watchers or or you know eliminating carbs but i want to kind of circle that square a little bit for you guys because you know when you're when you're doing something like that where you're saying hey calories is the problem Realistically, what we say at Eat to Perform is that calories is actually the solution. It allows you more fuel. It allows you to, you know, end up um, getting more in the direction that you want to go. Now, of course, what we're saying is that doing is a big piece of that. And what I often see, you know, like a great example, you know, one of the things that that we have with Eat to Perform is we set really achievable goals for people. 
And as they hit those goals and achievements, then, you know, positive things happen for them. You know, sometimes it's, you know, weight going down. Other times it's, it's getting more food and, and, and PRs in the gym. And, you know, when we look at it realistically, if you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to eat X amount of calories lower, it's sort of taking the ball out of your hand. That's sort of what Brad's getting at, right? Is that it seems like you're actually fixing something. And this isn't to say that we don't ever lower calories because we certainly do. But to the level that people are doing it, and with the level, you know, there's always, it, what's interesting about, and I, I would say Weight Watchers is a little bit like this, maybe not Whole30, right? But there's always kind of like this next level, right? So like in Whole30, as an example, when, when people are sort of struggling and then they've got the headaches and, you know, all the water weight's gone and, and now they can't figure out how to go much lower than that. It's like, well, you know, what's the answer? Well, you know, maybe it's that sugar that you had on that one Saturday. So let, now let's reset to the beginning, right? And I actually don't even really know how Whole30 works anymore because they've changed so much. Um, I mean, some of it positive, but I, I just consider, you know, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I, I think Whole30 is harmful to people. I just don't think it lands them in a much better spot. And it actually surprises me that anyone's still doing it, you know? Um, I don't really know anyone that's come out of it a lot better. Now, I will say this, you know, the thing that Whole30 brought to the table that I think is positive was the emphasis of, on Whole Foods, right? But when you're coming from kind of a background of, you know, working out and things of this nature, it's just really hard to do that with relatively low carbs, relatively low calories, you know, if you can focus on, you know, I just, you know, I've known since four years old that, you know, meats and veggies were good for me, right? So I didn't, I didn't need a list of food to tell me that. And then when you get to that point where you have to um, really, anytime there's a do and don't list and you, you view the don't list as the answer, I think that that ends up being, you know, a net negative, right? Um, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? Because I mean, I know, you know, from your standpoint, you're someone with a, you know, a, a very well worked out body physique, right? Talk to us a little bit about Whole Foods and, and what part that plays into your workouts. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. My, uh, my whole journey started from kind of the same thing that you're talking about with, with a new year's kind of new year, new you challenge that I'm sure everyone has seen a million of them pop up. And, and I, I did that to start kind of this process of, you know, I was pretty overweight. I was 240 pounds. Um, and you know, I was an athlete my whole life before that. So I wanted something, uh, that was going to be quick and, and, you know, I, didn't really have the long game in mind. And I think that is the key when you're talking about any of these programs, if they don't explain what the next step is, you know, after the 30 days are up or after the 21 days, um, the truth is they don't really want to provide that, that bridge because 
the the scenario plays out where you kind of fall back into the same habits and then your thought process is well I had a moderate amount of success with this plan so let me go back to that and it kind of creates this cycle and uh, I think you know an emphasis on mostly whole foods is great but um, you know you really it it can be taken too far you know clean eating and uh, even just when people talk about I just want to eat you know, foods that are healthy for me. Um, it, it's kind of just a, a different way of describing, um, you know, it can kind of turn into orthorexia and an obsession with uh, food in a different way. Uh, so I think that uh, having, you know, I look at it for what are my energy needs? What is going to fuel me to be the best version of myself? And I, and, and really on the long term, it's not about, um, you know, a given moment of, of you know, having a, you know, slice of cheesecake or a beer, it's, it's about the big picture. And, um, there are times where the best decision for me would be to have a slice of pizza. And there are times where the best decision is to have, you know, chicken and potatoes or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but I think that some of those programs really kind of keep that tunnel vision for people where it's hard for them to see the big picture. Well, and, and the simple fact is, is that your body is set up to create balance, right? And so whether you're doing 50,000 steps a day or whether you're eating 800 calories a day, your body is going to find balance. Now, sometimes it'll find balance at a lower weight. You lose some water. Maybe you also lose some body fat in that process. But when you look at the fittest people on the planet, when you look at the people with the best physiques like Mike and Brad, and, you know, I hope, you know, I'm a little bit of an example of that. I think, you know, I mean, we should probably talk about that piece a little bit. I don't think that, you know, a lot of people look at my situation and think, wow, you know, that guy's ripped, right? But it is, you know, where I think most people want to have a compromise, right? Where, Fitness is a priority in your life. Health is a priority in your life. And you look like you work out, right? And I, I think that that's something that has been a big priority for me. But you said something that's interesting, and I want you to expound upon it, Mike, is that you had an athletic background. Because I think we all have an athletic background. I think we can all remember back to being eight years old, right, and on the playground and doing athletic things. And then all of a sudden – you're at 44, you weigh 250 pounds, and you're wondering how you get back to it. It's that athleticism that puts the ball back in your hands. So talk a little bit about that a little bit, and then we'll start to transitioning to the role that training plays in all of this. Yeah, so that, I mean, really the, the moment for me, I mean, you talked about your moment of seeing yourself on TV. The moment for me was um, I played, you know, competitive sports my whole life and once I finished college and I no longer had that form of you know I didn't have any teams I didn't have any practices it was just uh I was kind of on my own and and uh, that's where I gained a lot of weight when I stepped back on the basketball court it was like wow I you know I used to be you know explosive and and quick and you know one of the fastest people on the court now I'm struggling. And that was like a eye opening moment for me. So it, it was kind of what I fell back on 
in, in the sense of, I just need to take action and I need to start doing. And, um, it took me a while to figure out the nutrition piece. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way that ended up, um, helping me in the long run because, you know, I learned and, and grew from those and eventually led me to eat to perform. But how long um, ago yeah, that, was that for that, you? Do you, I mean, do you remember any specific dates? Yeah. So I graduated in 2006. Um, so right around that time was, um, when I was probably 2007, 2008, I would say was probably when I was around my heaviest. Right. Yeah, it's just funny, like, you're saying this, and I was like, okay, I was 30-something years old at that point. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so why don't we, we kind of transition a little bit to kind of the training side of things? Because that is, that is the piece that we offer people, right, that, you know, a lot of other programs don't, right? And so, you know, when, if, you, if you're starting to think, in terms of long-term goals, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that people often say is that sometimes the, you know, 60 day challenges and 30 day challenges, they can start you on the right path. I would say that those programs have failed more people than have succeeded as a result. Right. And so, you know, and the reason why they failed them is because, you know, you're eating your chicken and broccoli, you've sucked it up, you can't sleep, you know, um, sex drives low, right? All the negative things that happen when you're at low calories. It's actually interesting, you know, I know we have a large female audience um, and they probably don't see these commercials, but Brad, Mike, and I probably see them a little bit more just because we're men, but there's just this monstrous push this time of year related to like free testosterone enhancers from supplements. And that just brings me to the training piece. And it brings me to, you know, the fact that it's very enticing to look at shortcuts as the answer, especially when you have a very big problem, right? And so as a 250 pound person, you know, that was something that I thought, needed an extreme answer and every time I tried the extremes it made it more difficult um actually one of the things that's interesting about that process is I really consider my transformation kind of a, a two-year process right so so it, there was re almost really two um new year's resolutions that happened I, I can tell you actually the the first year wasn't really around the first of the year. It did take just about a year to do though. Um, Cause I remember this was after the world series of poker. I was being tested for cholesterol. I had lost a bunch of weight doing a low carb diet. Couldn't sleep, was living on melatonin. Um, and when they checked my, checked my cholesterol, it was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's that bad. And so that first year, was really about kind of transitioning to, you know, working out, being a little bit smarter about how I ate, but really making performance kind of the emphasis because, you know, for the 10 years previous, I was just eating lower, right? Then, you know, I got my body fat checked um, after about a year. This was right around the time that the, the, um, 
Tim Ferriss book came out, you know, the four hour chef, um, not the four hour chef, um, four hour workout or what is it called? You guys remember? Four hour diet. Four hour body. Yeah. Four hour body. There we go. Um, and I had done the four hour body, um, just from the blog post that he did. And that was actually what kind of messed me up. Right. And so this really started the transition, but the book came out. So I was really interested in it because, you know, I did um, kind of that low carb version of what he was describing at that point. And when I checked my body fat percentage, I was at 32%. And, you know, I'd gone from basically 250 pounds to right around 190 pounds. And I, I, I was, you know, I mean, when you looked at me, I thought, I look fit, right? Because I certainly looked much fitter than I did when, you know, I was struggling with obesity, when I was struggling with cholesterol issues and and, and all this and that. Um, and it really was kind of the next year where I went from 32% to 9% that, you know, kind of ultimately became eat to perform. But kind of transitioning to the training piece, it was really the, the, the last six months of that two-year period where I started lifting weights. And that's where I think a lot of people struggling with obesity issues get too caught up in cardio and they get more of that skinny fat look, right? And so they're losing weight, but they're not really getting leaner. That's sort of what happened with me, right? Um, I was able to actually from 32% to 20, you know, still kind of make some progress, but I got stuck at about 20 to 22%. And the only way I got down to nine was lifting weights. And nowadays, of course, lifting weights is a much bigger deal, right? On Instagram, everybody's lifting weights. You start to notice that the people that have the best physiques are the people who are lifting weights. And so cardio is less of a focus, right? And this is not a negative cardio thing. I, I certainly do um, cardio to this day, but it's a much smarter approach, right? So I wanted to kind of transition because I wanted to talk a little bit about our templates that you get as a member for free and, um, wanted to kind of, Mike has been, you know, there's, there's Brad started the movement with pain train. A lot of, uh, eat performers started doing pain train. Mike then brought, you know, everything hurts, you know, uh, lean AF, which is, you know, also referred to as ultimate fat loss template. And then we have different body type workouts. And if you look at, you know, what Mike has done is he does various, you know, seminars. He just got done with one from Christian Thibodeau. I know the people from Mind Pump have been a great influence on Mike. And when you look at our templates, you know, there's going to be a skeleton there that's going to look real similar. If you're looking for anything, you know, from an athletic standpoint, things of that nature, I mean, I would check those guys out because I can tell you that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do in terms of body, you know, body uh, specific workouts, you know, I've been seeing great results doing those. And, you know, the skeleton is from the mind pump people. So I know you want to talk a little bit about some of your recent stuff with Christian Thibodeau, but 
but talk a little bit about, and maybe you and Brad can talk a little bit more about, you know, program design, because that's the piece that I think if people focus on a little bit more, they can actually get a little bit farther down the line, right? So Mike, why don't you take that first? Yeah, I think um, for a lot of people that I'm getting some feedback over here. Yeah, no problem. Do you hear that echo? I am not hearing an echo, so you can go. I don't know. If you... All right, I'm getting an echo, but I'll. So yeah, I think that the train listening for a lot of people. When it comes to everything hurts template, it's really about maximizing muscle growth in a short period of time. Yeah, we are getting. Uh, that was basically. Your your mic is actually um, not coming over really well, but you know, I'll I'll talk a little bit about um, what I think Mike is going to be going into. And you know, there's people asking what is Eat the Form and, and things of this nature. Um, I mean, Eat the Form. The focus is that food is part of the answer, and that you know, between food and training, we can help you reach your goals. And so, uh, Mike initially started things off with Everything Hurts, and what Everything Hurts does is that it really is a program that allows for muscle activation. And when you're eating an adequate amount, you're going to see the best results from Everything Hurts. Everything Hurts is not necessarily kind of a fat loss program type of deal. So we have what is the Ultimate Fat Loss or Lean AF that is really more, it's not near as intense in terms of volume, but it is a program that you can do. And it's a program that um, works real well with any type of training that you do, you know, so if you're doing something like Orange Theory or CrossFit, you know, um, actually in the case of Everything Hurts, there's a CrossFit version. So you can actually do um, some of the things. One of the things that I'm noticing right off the bat, and I know some of your programming, Brad, maybe you could talk about this a little bit, um, is rows and back. That's really something that I think is is lagging in a lot. You know, it, it was lagging in the programming at my CrossFit gym, the, the one that I was going to. And so, you know, in the last six months, as I started to train my back more, I've really, I mean, just the muscle growth, just all these things have, have changed. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's... I think something where a lot of people really focus on abs, but they don't really focus on a lot of the other pieces in terms of a holistic approach. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that's always pretty obvious. Paul, I think the echo might be on your end. Yeah, okay, so I will mute my mic and then we'll try and figure out a way to do it, but I am the one um, in charge here, but go ahead. <sighs> And uh, I'll mute my mic, and so you just like hand it over to me once you're done. I don't know if people can hear me now. Um, I think they can hear you. Okay. Can, can you talk? Yeah, I think that's maybe that's Mike then. 
I don't know, but this is making for a really shitty podcast. So, um, so Brad, can you talk about rows and a more holistic body approach rather than just, I'm going to beast mode the shit out of things. And then all of a sudden in February, you're broken and on the couch for six months. Yeah. I mean, so when we talk about training, right, the biggest pieces that most people focus on are, you know, the big lifts that they do because those are the sexy ones and then the stuff that they can see in the mirror. And what really drives a lot of growth is volume in terms of training and trying to get as much musculature involved as possible. So when we talk about, you know, holistic training, it's a lot harder to get the muscles that you don't think about all the time, right? So when you see in the mirror, you know, you see the front, you see the legs, you know, you see the abs and that's what everybody sees. But a lot of the growth and actual strength development comes from accumulating volume over an extended period of time and actually working the big functional muscle groups. And what most people don't realize is most of your, what we call them go muscles are located on the back, right? So when you think about creating power at the hips, it's your glutes, when you think about your ability to pull anything off the floor, a lot of that's your back. Uh, you know, when you talk about, you know, even trying to do things like jerks and squats is a lot of that central core musculature that actually provides a lot of strength does come from your postural muscles, your back, your erectors, and all those sorts of pieces. I mean, if you look at like the, the top weightlifters in the world, the strongest people, what are the muscles that you notice are the biggest? I mean, it's, it's their traps and it's their erectors and it's all that musculature on the backside of things. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing about what you're saying is in that I'm going to kind of key in on is posture, right? And if your posture is not great and you start, you know, I mean, obviously we're talking a little bit about um, some of the big movements you know, squats and deadlifts and things of this nature. And when you look at the programming that we give people, it's very um, geared towards where you are as an athlete, right? So you're not necessarily going to be throwing a bunch of weight around and end up getting hurt, right? You're, you're basically just finding a weight that gives you kind of, you know, the response that, that you need. And what Brad's saying you know, from a posture standpoint, there's a lot of us that spend a lot of times hunched in front of a computer, right? And our shoulders are sucked in. Like, if I'm, I'm actually looking at a picture of me, which was kind of a before. Um, and what I see is that my shoulders are kind of sucked in. So when, you know, you start to, you know, pull some of the that back and your muscle gets muscles in your back get stronger, you get leaner, your abs look better, your chest looks better, you know, all these different things end up being a, a really super positive. Now, what Brad's saying is, is that you also get stronger and you can lift more and you become a better human being. And oh, by the way, your free testosterone gets higher and, and, you know, all the things that people are looking for these shortcuts. And it's like, and, and I really didn't talk about this on my New Year resolution part, but it, it, it was an important piece. I had to kind of slow things down. I had to get to a point where 
I was looking at what the long term would look like. And, you know, what's been interesting to me as I got kind of interested in kind of the bodybuilding world and, and things, because there, there's a lot of science, you know, based on eating form, based on hypertrophy work, and certainly some of that, you know, would have been borrowed from bodybuilding, kind of similar to what I talked about with programming, right? Like, no one's creating, you know, it was interesting talking to Sal from Mind Pump, because he's like, hey, look, you know, nobody's really creating any new exercises at this point, you know, and so, you know, just finding a, a good program and kind of hitting that, you know, ends up being a good thing, and I thought that that was kind of interesting, but, you know, when you look at bodybuilding, you know, this time of year, everyone really focuses on kind of the net negatives. And so one of the things that I, you know, was kind of a standout piece for me. And over the last, say, 10 years, the first thing that I do whenever I have an issue is I try to train my way out of the problem, right? So I don't go to calories first. I go to training first. And so when we look at um, the athleticism that Mike was talking about, when we look at the muscular growth that, that Brad was talking about, um, now we got to start factoring in sleep, right? So if you're under eating and not sleeping well, that's really not helping your recovery. That's not really helping muscle growth, right? You're not going to feel the energy to want to go to the gym. You know, whenever you're under eating, you know, this is why putting, like, I get it. Like, you know, I know what it's like to be up a few pounds because of the holidays. Um, I would say that's my reality right now. I think that that's everyone's reality a little bit. It's just how you react to it. You know, are you acting in an extreme way? Or are you saying, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to solve a bigger life problem. Because if you keep, you know, I mean, because that's, that's essentially how most people end up obese is, they five pound their way there, right? They five and 10 pound their way to 300 pounds, you know? And what you see in the bodybuilding world and what you see once people start lifting weights is that these people actually eat a lot of food to do that because they realize, you know, muscle as an example is a very intensive, you know, fat, fat you know, is, is, is a very easily acquired tissue. Um, muscle is not a very easily acquired tissue. And so when you first start lifting weights, you're going to see some, some progress and, and usually some quick progress because your body adapts to it, you know, you know, in, in a, a very acute way. But for the long-term approach, you know, you really need to have much higher calories than most people think. I mean, like a lot of people think of these bodybuilders that have really trim physiques at like 7%. You know, there's there's one of the guys at, at, my, body, at my gym that's a bodybuilder, and he's consistently at 5,000, never does any cardio, you know. And, I mean, he looks like a brick house, you know. And, and that's the case for females as well. And I will say that, like, body and physique has kind of is moving in that direction i don't know that they're they're great yet but they're definitely moving in that direction 
Mike uh, was having a few issues. I'm going to check back in with him to see um, if he's figured some of those out. Mike, are you there? Yeah, yeah hopefully that's better. Um, I think kind of to touch on what you were saying, it's, it's a difference between automatically doing things or manually doing things. And, and what I mean by that is by emphasizing strength and, and hypertrophy and building muscle, you're, and eating an adequate amount to support that, you're allowing your body to automatically take care of the body comp changes that, that you want versus manually doing it where you are directly responsible for all this you know, cardio and you're trying to manually burn calories to create a deficit and manually restrict foods to create a deficit. Now you're kind of putting um, more of a tax on your body versus allowing it to just respond automatically by doing the things that will, you know, like you said, muscle is an expensive tissue. So the more you have, the more you're going to burn at rest and you're kind of allowing those processes to take place without actually having to, you know, spend hours on the treadmill or, or worry about, you know, the good versus bad list of foods. And, um, I think a lot of times people don't realize the, the long-term benefit of, you know, spending some time in a muscle building phase. And there's, I think with our programs, we kind of work people through that where, you know, you often hear the train smarter, not harder line. Um, and to really get an understanding of what that means, sometimes you want to train hard. Sometimes you want to hit a program like everything hurts for eight weeks. Um, sometimes it's better to stick with three days a week and have more yoga and stretching in your life. But uh, we kind of are able to work people through those phases to understand, uh, you know, what is going to get you maximum results and really just allow you to thrive as a human. I have a great example of that, right? I mean, right, I now, right now, Brad, just give me one second because I want to get your, your thoughts on that as well. But right now, as an example, you know, this is not a time where, you know, we're, we're working 12 to 15 hour days, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's busy. So when we end the day, we, we hit the bed, you know, um, there's not a lot of working out, but when we do work out, you know, like in the case of the body templates, there's, there's, there's foundational workouts. And like I said, all this is free with your membership. There's your foundational workouts, but then there's body part pieces. And so, you know, in the last couple days, I've really only done the body part pieces, which is kind of, you know, it's usually about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on you know, how quickly you can, you know, depending on the day, but typically it's about 20 to 30 minutes. And so I'm getting something in, I'm getting kind of the adaptation of stimulus and, and all that type of stuff. Um, and I'm getting out of the house, you know, that, that's, that's also another plus, but I think that people think that they have to like kill themselves to work out to, kind of earn food or whatever, right? And I think that that's a bad message. So Brad, I'm gonna hand it over to you because I know you wanted to talk a little bit about what we were saying earlier. Yeah, and this basically just piggybacks on both of what you guys just said is, if you look at what most people do when they think about their training, is they view it as 
burning calories, right? They're basically just trying to trade input for output. And when you get into that game, you basically miss the entire point of training, right? Yes. And we, we talk about this a lot in our uh, certification course, but you don't really train to burn calories. You train for adaptation. The calories are just, you know, what's required to elicit that adaptation. So when we talk about the training pieces, you know, cardio isn't bad. It just elicits one specific adaptation. And that adaptation is really not changing your physique very much. When you talk about weightlifting, now that gives you a completely different stimulus, which gives you a completely different adaptation. If you're doing Olympic lifting style, that's going to give you a specific adaptation. If you're doing training that's designed specifically to, you know, increase muscle growth, that's a completely different adaptation. And you can burn a thousand calories running and you can burn a thousand calories doing, you know, something like everything hurts. And the way your body looks after eight weeks of burning a thousand calories a day doing those different training programs is so different. It's like almost unbelievable, right? The fact the human body adapts so extremely to different things, even though you're expending the same energy. And a lot of people, I think focus on expanding the energy and not the adaptation piece. So, I mean, an interesting point about that is that, you know, when I look at my evolution, I think my evolution is fairly similar. I mean, it's the reason why I try to put people like Brad in front of you guys and, and Mike in front of you guys and Lisa and all the, all the, you know, members of our staff. But when I look at, um, the when I put the the exercise first, that really changed everything, and it naturally got me to a point where I started to think about my food a little bit more. And certainly, like I said earlier in the podcast, that was a big cardio focus. And so I was, you know, the one great thing about cardio, especially when you're doing kind of like two and three hour runs and you get to that level is that mentally you become much more prepared for um, exercise that's harder, right? So when I walked into a CrossFit gym the first time and a lot of the muscle gain that I saw initially really kind of happened from, from that CrossFit piece. There's a, there's a part and we're probably going to need to do another, um, podcast on it, but when you look at CrossFit, one of the big reasons why people like it is because it's sort of a game for time, right? And so you're either going for reps or you're going for time, and that's challenging. And it was the kind of challenge that I needed at that point in my journey. And you know, being seven to ten years later, what really kind of changed for me was that while the game is still nice and I still consider myself a CrossFitter and and there's a lot of workouts that I do that are very similar to that, it really is more about kind of that adaptation, right? How can I use the food that I'm eating to get the result that I'm looking for? I mean, let's be real. No one CrossFits, you know, to look the same, right? And I'm sure a lot of people that are crossfitting or bodybuilding or whatever it is, you're doing it for a reason, you know, and don't lose focus of that reason, but you also want to say, okay, is this something I'm going to be able to do forever? 
you know, I mean, you know, when I first started doing kind of endurance type of workouts, I started really dealing with a lot of plantar fasciitis and, and, and things of that nature. And, and ultimately what I realized was that's not going to be something that I'm going to be able to do forever, you know? And so, you know, gradually I moved to the CrossFit piece and then now I'm, I'm at, at, you know, a little bit more weightlifting with some CrossFitting, you know? I love Orange Theory as an example. It's one of the things that's kind of come into to place recently where, you know, it is kind of a longer endurance type of thing. But then if you could couple that with some really smart training, you know, I really think kind of everything can sort of have its place. It just depends on what your mentality is. So we've kind of been going forever. I mean, we could probably still go forever. Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about that piece a little bit? Because I know, you know, from, from your athletic background and, and, and I know Brad's got some of that stuff as well, and we can talk about that in future podcasts. But just end on the yeah. note of the mentality of doing something that you can do for the rest of your life where you're not just trying to earn food. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that that is everything when it comes to, you know, and I'm, we're not talking about the one percenters or the top athletes at their sport. I mean, we're talking about just regular people like, like us and everybody else who's listening. Uh, what do you love to do? That's probably what you should be spending the most time doing um, with the understanding that there may be some give and take there. So, uh, you know, for me personally, I am working more in the bodybuilding space and, and I want to work on, you know, kind of tightening up areas of my physique and improving my, the amount of muscle I have with those goals in mind. I know that there's probably going to be a little bit of a performance sacrifice. Like I'm not going to go and, and compete in the CrossFit games. I'm not going to be, um, you know, a top athlete because I'm not training for that specific goal. So there is, a give and take when, when it comes to kind of assessing what's most important for you. Um, you know, if, if it's to build muscle, then, um, maybe running seven days a week is, is not the best idea. So, um, keeping that in mind, but really focusing on, um, what excites you, what, what really motivates you. Um, and I, I kind of hesitate to use the word motivation, but I think, um, you know, something that, that you really truly enjoy doing, that should be the primary focus of your training. And then think about what is the exact top goal that you have in mind that you want to accomplish and then kind of working from there. Well, and that, you know, I mean, there, there's something that somebody's mentioning that I just have to bring up, but I think what, what Mike's really getting at is that you might not know that running doesn't build muscle. Some people don't know that. Right. And some people don't know that, um, you know, heart health is going to be a part that will allow better weightlifting, right? So there's all these th different things that are, are sort of in interconnected. And what we try to do with Eat Perform is just to bring you all of those different resources so that you have a question. So one of the things that's, that's coming up in, in chat is someone is saying that, you know, meal prep is, is difficult. I disagree, um, and I'll tell you why I disagree. Because they're saying for the average person, meal prep is difficult. Currently, 
I have three pounds of, of ground beef in my refrigerator that, well, it's not, it's actually about, about a pound left, but I started on Sunday where, you know, we cook up three pounds of ground beef and then I have rice and then I have, um, uh, mashed potatoes ready. You know, I have some side salad fixings and a few other things, all of which took about an hour and a half on a Sunday, right? And so what I what I think happens for a lot of people is they put all these different things in place that kind of sets them up for failure a little bit. So what we try to do is break it down to where you're focusing on the individual pieces. And so for someone that's struggling with meal prep a little bit, you know, we're going to give you the exact plan. And then you start following that plan with the foods that you like. And then you say to Mike, hey, Mike, you know, I'm a little hungry here. You know, um, I'm actually losing more weight than I thought I would eating like this. So therefore, you know, um, maybe I need to look at how I can still see progress, right? And kind of focus on some of the different things and coaches will help you with that. You know, one of the things with Eat to Perform that's really cool is like right now we have a challenge going on where everybody's sharing their food log. And so you can literally go into thousands of people and get ideas for eating that most people don't think about. I think people overthink food prep, right? I mean, when you think of it, from the standpoint, I'm a meat eater, so it's easy for me. <laughs> you know, um, my daughter's a vegetarian, though, um, and she does a great deal of, of of meal prep as well. That's real similar, but she's got a little bit more free time because she's younger. Um, but I think you can overthink things a little bit. I'm a very simplistic eater. I, I think people don't realize, you know, like if you check in with me at 10:30 in the morning, I'm probably eating oatmeal. Right. If you check in with me, you know, around one o'clock, I'm probably eating something like, you know, a side salad with ground beef and mashed potatoes. And then the next day I'm going to have, you know, chicken and rice. Right. And but the main focus, of course, is that you're eating an adequate amount so that you're sleeping well, you're recovering well and you're really focusing on that food being a big answer to your problem. That's really where we started and that's where we're going to end. Is that if you're going into 2018 thinking that food is the problem, you're going to show up at 2019 thinking that food is the problem, right? You have to view food as the answer and Food in abundance as the answer allows for more energy to do awesome stuff. So I'll end on that note. Brad and Mike, do you want to say goodbye or any lasting thoughts? Mike, go. I think that was a good place. I think that was a good place to wrap it up. Appreciate it. And uh, talk to you guys later. All right. Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this was a great discussion. I think, you know, the take-home would be resolutions are usually what get people started. Um, but make sure you have a plan that's more than just the next few weeks in front of you. Yeah. 
and we'll give the shameless plug of we give you that plan and you have a two-week free trial that we're offering you guys so you can get signed up and you can get rolling today and you will have the next year five years ten years of answers in front of you yeah and 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 people with PhDs, people that, you know, went to school for eight years, doctors, these are the people that are going to be ultimately guiding your journey. And, you know, let's be real, you alone don't really know enough, you know, and I mean, yeah, you can Google, but let's be real about that. Google is going to be confusing. So let's keep that in mind as we move forward. Um, but I could not be more excited about the promise of 2018 for you know eat to perform for how we can guide people now and and you know all the changes from a technology standpoint that i think is just going to make all of that easier so i appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you guys later bye now